Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 544. And in our Metroid series that is ongoing for now, we are up to Metroid Fusion. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Haydu. Hi there. And Rich Davison. Hello. I seem to have accidentally roped in the team to another podcast. <laughs> uh, we, we'll let you plug that later. Um, <laughs> if you like the panel today, you may be able to hear more of them. Stay tuned to find out. But for now, we're going to talk Metroid Fusion. So we've obviously covered the original Metroid on the NES, the second game on the Game Boy, the third game on the, on the Super Nintendo. And then we actually sort of jumped ahead slightly just out of... Uh, just to sort of mix things up a bit with the with the Metroid Prime, which was, of course, the first first-person 3D installment. We're now back to the game that is subtitled Metroid 4. And that is the fourth game in the series of sci-fi 2D arcade adventures from Nintendo. This was uh, 20 years ago, hence we're covering it now as much as anything. Brian, were you clutching... Your little GBA and your sweaty little paws. <laughs> yes, I was very, very sweaty. I was in college, so I was sweaty all the time. Um, right. No, I, uh, yeah, the, uh, Metroid Fusion was actually the kind of push to get me to get a GBA. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I didn't, you know, I was in college, didn't have a lot of my own spending money, and I just remember the the reviews being so positive and being like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely want to, wanted a GBA anyway, and that kind of spawned me so Along came April, and I got my tax return money, and instead of putting it to good use, I bought a GBA, which may be the best that use. That is good use. Um, but uh, uh, maybe not the most responsible at the time. But yeah, um, I played the majority of Metroid Fusion the first time on two separate plane flights to Florida. Um, I was going there uh, for a wedding, and um, for a family wedding. I played it on the plane mostly, and I had dipped back in a couple times over the years, and then... Recently for this podcast, I played it through on uh, emulation on my laptop over the course of, I want to say like three or four playthroughs, I kind of I kind of went through it again. And I've been going back in for the last couple of days, just kind of, you know, tidying things up a bit because my completion rate was pretty low when I first finished mm. it. So, Yeah, it will be uh, for most regular humans, I suspect, although maybe not if you're the kind of person who explores every corner of every room. Is that you, Leah? Does that sound like you or not? I like to explore in these types of games, and oftentimes I will, in fact, actually go in with a guide for that express purpose, Mm. Um, but I didn't with this one, and I was not there for this during uh, the original Game Boy Advance kind of release. I have a Game Boy cartridge that is very legal and definitely not a (laughs) repro cartridge because Ah. metroid fusion carts are very expensive right now if you try to get them and i definitely Mm. played it on original hardware and not my um my retron 5 on my tv with save states Ah. so um yeah yeah, i I cheated a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't play this when it first came out. I no. kind of came to Metroid late-ish, uh, and I really didn't have a ton of experience beyond um, Super Metroid. Uh, so, yeah, this was not really something that I knew much about before agreeing to do so for the podcast, and I was kind of looking for yeah. an excuse to do so. for. I, 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 I tagged in on this one. I'm not sure who I tagged in for, but um, mm. I... I was interested in kind of having a reason to to dig out that cartridge and uh, 
dig into the game. So I played it for the show and do not have much uh, to say prior to that <laughs> regarding Metroid Fusion. I remember seeing it like in the pre-owned games when I was working at GameStop, but I think I was conflating it a little bit with Zero Mission, um, yeah. which I've yeah. also not played. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I, I think I, I think that I was sort of... I, yeah, I, I really just didn't have a clear vision. Like, I did not realize that this was Metroid 4, that this was kind of a major entry in the series. Yeah, so maybe that was yeah. why I didn't make much of an effort uh, at first. But uh, but yeah, played through it um, recently, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, and uh, completed it in four-ish hours, I think. Mm. My completion yeah. percentage was also pretty low. I may yeah. go back in at some point. Um, I had some issues that we'll talk about, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to like to be able to at least, you know, have one big completion that, that I have, so we'll see. Right. We'll see. Oh, cool. Rich, uh, you were kind of, uh, you, you, you were the driving, one of the driving forces behind our Metroid 2 show, um, and uh, you, you weren't on the Prime show, but after your your enjoyment of two, um, back in in the late nineties, early two thousands, were you were you already all over this one? No, not really. To be honest with you, it's a fairly mild kind of history with it. It would have been two thousand and four, and the reason I can place it at two thousand and four, which is after the release of of Metroid Fusion, is because I didn't have a GBA, but my best friend had one of those silver tribal gbas i don't know oh, yeah. cool. yeah. the epitome of yeah cool. yeah and that was uh released in 2004 so i, I distinctly remember being in upper sixth form ready to go to university and doing very little revision but playing quite a lot of uh metroid fusion um i didn't actually own my own copy of it probably until about 2000 i don't know 13 14 when the wii u had that kind of gba um you know the the releases of those GBA titles, the likes of um, Golden Sun, I think was one, Metroid mm-hmm. Fusion, potentially Metroid uh, Zero Mission. I can't remember, but I definitely picked up uh, Metroid Fusion as part of that. But you know that I emulated the crap out of this in the uh, 10 years preceding. So, um, yeah, not not that much of a history with this game, which is slightly different to the relationship that I got with uh, Metroid 2, Metroid mm. uh, Super Metroid. And obviously I went back in the, the Metroid show and kind of tried to give that a nice earnest playthrough. But with Metroid Fusion, I don't know, I've, I've struggled to kind of have a little bit of traction with that one. I probably played it through about, I don't know, 10, 15 times. And the last time I played it was uh, today. I uh, wow. downloaded a ROM. I put some GameShark cheats in there to have unlimited ah. missiles and uh, super help. bombs and invulnerability and just had like a nice little tour of... Um, of the station, it was a good blast down mm. memory lane. But yeah, I'm I'm hot to trot. Super Samus. Yeah, I definitely bought this when it was new, uh, and didn't get very far in it for some reason. Got distracted, the usual thing. Um, actually, it wouldn't have been brand new because I didn't have a Game Boy Advance until 2003. My first GBA was the SP. So, but I do remember buying a new shop-bought sealed copy of this on the GBA. I also remember not playing that and selling it at some point, but then rebuying it for a, a another new copy for about a fiver, which is thinking back now quite a steal. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure I eBayed that at some point as well because the only version of this I own now is on the Wii U Virtual Console. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's how I played it, uh, obviously, which. Gives you save states, which at least mean that you can um, 
stave some of the repeated kind of backtracking and stuff. Um, uh, but yes, so I ended up playing it finally now in 2022, 20 years after the fact, on a big old home TV sized screen, pixels everywhere. Um, and yes, here we are. Opinions to follow. Developed, of course, by Nintendo R&D number one, who existed from the earliest days of Nintendo making arcade games and things like Computer Othello and uh, Sheriff. And obviously the personnel will have changed over this time, but R Nintendo R&D one are credited with things like Donkey Kong and every single game and watch game. And then uh, when they went on to uh, make games for the NES, a lot of the kind of flagship early titles for the NES and, uh, and yes, Metroid. Uh, and that series formed by Gunpei Yokoi, the late, um, yeah, who's often sort of credited as the father of Metroid, even though uh, the director is, uh, is chief director Yoshio Sakamoto, who continues on this game. Uh, along with a system director of Takehiko Hosokawa, who had also worked previously on uh, as a designer on Metroid 2. So there was quite a lot of um, continuity there, although actually the uh, the majority of the kind of programming team uh, was the same team that had made Wario Land 4 on the GBA, which is a slightly different kind of experience, but still <laughs> playing to the strengths of that handheld console. 2D and 16-bitish uh, type of architecture. Uh, the game came out on a 64 megabit cartridge, which is uh, 16 megabytes, I believe, uh, which makes it uh, bigger in terms of actual code than uh, than I guess even um, Super Metroid. But I think would say quite a bit of that is uh, things like the, there's a load of scanned in art and things like that used for presentation purposes. Yeah, a lot um, of voice sort of voices as, as well. well. Yeah. yeah, apparently they wanted even more voice samples, but um, but space was was an issue. Um, the actual game, I think it's fair to say, is probably in terms of footprint smaller than than Super, although or certainly more uh, curated or no, that's probably the wrong term, linear anyway. But we'll we'll definitely be talking about that because it's one of the one of the facets of Metroid Fusion that's probably most discussed, arrived in North America, Europe and Australasia in November 2002. Here we are 20 years later. Oddly, it didn't arrive in Japan until February 2003, for whatever reason, and arrived in China three further years later in 2006. I don't know when the GBA was launched in, in China. Uh, Robin Enrico from our Patreon says Fusion is most hurt by when it came out. Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night were too close in memory. The revolutionary Metroid Prime also cast a long shadow over the game. Plus, the GBA SP wouldn't be out for another six months. And Castlevania Circle of the Moon on the original dim GBA screen had burned many an early adopter eager for handheld Metroidvanias. In later years, I've come to enjoy fusion as a good though not truly great metroid it's more action focused gameplay showed a way forward for the series much like prime's first person perspective and everything with the sax is up there with the best of the series yeah gba original model uh famously i mean you can get them modded and all sorts now or you can mod them yourselves if you're skilled but famously didn't have a light on the screen um mm -hmm. so there were a lot of uh, third-party peripherals that you could buy or you know people uh, my my friend pete had a little 
a pen light that he would stick like a, like a, on an angle uh, poise or a flexi. I mean, I, I think, I think that's basically what the third party peripherals were. They were just, yeah, right, you know, I think they, right. they had like the magnifying ones that you could kind of hook yeah. on. Um, similar to, I think, I think I might've had something like that for the original Game Boy. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could really yeah. pimp that thing out. Speakers, yeah. magnifying yeah. glass, pimp it out. light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check out our Game Boy show for further details. But yes, yeah, so there's one of the main reasons I waited for the second or the, or the, the clamshell revision of the gba because it was at least front lit had a front lit screen which wasn't perfect it washed out the image and later they released a, a backlit one and again you can get mods and do mods and obviously there's the gba micro as well but um but the g the original gba model screen really was barely fit for purpose um or in all but the most kind of ideal optimal lights and yeah certainly some games i think um if you look at the difference between We'll cover these uh, in in the future of the podcast. The the original Castlevania Circle of the Moon, as referenced there, and and the second one, Harmony of Dissonance. Konami clearly, the artists had clearly been told like brighten everything up so people have actually have nobody a chance can of, see your game. Yeah, please right. make exactly. it more visible. Joey Jojo Junior from our forum says Fusion was the first Metroid game I ever played, and distinctly remember picking it up for ten pounds in a game store back as a kid. It was the only game in store I could afford. Took months to complete it, the Ridley boss fight especially giving me some trouble and nearly deafening me, but it set off an appreciation for the Metroid series and Metroidvania games moving forward. While not quite my favourite in the series, with the rigid story progression with little room for sequence breaking being my main complaint, I regularly go back and play Fusion due to its tight controls, gorgeous pixel art, brilliant boss fights and that horror-like atmosphere of the SAX seemingly stalking your every move. Sadly, I no longer have the original cartridge, and seeing the prices it goes for now, I'll stick to playing on my Ambassador 3DS. Yes, and it, I mean, it's just interesting from a historical point of view. Now, we talk about the pricing of first-party Nintendo games on Switch and how they really don't come down in price other than the occasional digital store. 33% off is about is about the best you'll get, taking them down from, in this country, 50 quid to like 30 three quid or whatever it is um sometimes first party even even on firmware like cartridges um they would drop in price dramatically mm -hmm. you could if, if you timed your trip to the shop right you could get a metroid fusion new for 10 or five pounds as i did um good luck nowadays unless it's like a an odd an odd case like um mario plus rabbits which is a mario game but it's by Ubisoft, so it's allowed to get really cheap. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Very confusing. Games rankings. Game rankings, sorry. The the old aggregator of review scores from back in the day. Uh, noted an average review score of 91.23% for Metroid Fusion. So extremely well regarded, well received by critics. Similar scores really to Metroid uh, 3 or Super Metroid. User reviews wise looking today. Nintendo Life, it has 8.8 .8 out of 10 from punters, almost a thousand of them. And over on Metacritic, it has 9 out of 10 from nearly 400 folks who have registered a score. So still very well thought of. Except by our correspondent Rager uh, from the forum who says, I hate Metroid Fusion. I've never played it, but I spent <laughs> 2,500 stars, earned over 10 years of buying GameCube and Wii games, 
to buy it via the Nintendo Stars catalogue, but it never arrived, and I never got my stars back. Oh, God, disappointing. I, w- I would hold a grudge, too. I mean, yes, yeah. that's irrational, but I would, so I don't mm. blame you. Those stars, you know, you'd get like 50 per survey, yeah. wouldn't you, or something like that. So that is a lot of that is a lot of filling out those tedious, repetitive surveys. Um, yeah, I got a few things off the stars catalogue back in the day. That's a, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> the game sold 1.6 million plus units on its original GBA release and probably about another half a dozen on the Wii U Virtual Console, I would imagine. <laughs> Uh, including me. So while assisting a field research team on planet SR388, or however you say it, Samus is brought into contact with an unknown parasitic life form, later named X, which causes her to lose consciousness. Infected parts of her suit are cut away and a vaccine using a cell culture from the Metroid hatchling is quickly prepared and administered. Um... I'm trying not to make anti-vax jokes. The infection <laughs> ceases instantly. Uh, and she, or she gets really good 5G. 5G reception. is what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, and magnets stuck to her neck. After waking, Samus learns an explosion has rocked the Biologic Space Laboratory station where the infected suit parts are being held. The X are loose, one of which is a mimic of Samus at her full power. Now immune to the ex-parasite, Samus battles through the BSL station and discovers a Federation-run Metroid breeding program. In the end, Samus crashes the BSL station into the surface of SR388, eradicating the X and Metroid alike. Uh, I think I've just spoiled the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Certain aspects, according to the Wikitroid of the game, are similar to Alien Resurrection, 1997, Jean-Pierre Jeunet. The main character has DNA of the antagonist alien species. Uh, Ripley has alien DNA. Samus has Metroid DNA. Members of the normally hostile alien species don't attack the main character due to their perception that the main character is one of them. And both companies resurrect the franchise's previously extinct primary alien species. Interesting. No, I didn't put that together. Um, yeah. It's interesting that they elected not to go for Alien 3 uh, as part of the kind of... Uh, just really narratively grim, yeah. but there you go. No, that's, me- that's Super Metroid. Um, interestingly, the chronology, well, I say interestingly, like this is a game that I don't pay too much attention to the stories of. I think we talked about the manga in uh, in one of the previous Metroid shows. Apparently, it's, it's pretty dark and serious, the Metroid manga, uh, belying the sort of the relatively light nature of the of the game's despite that, I suppose, you know, they do have this moody, alien, lonely atmosphere that we often talk about. But the actual thinking about, like, some of the cute little alien species in the game and stuff like that, it's not a game that you would... It's not exactly survival horror in terms of aesthetic or whatever. Um, But, yeah, this game actually comes as currently, so far, the penultimate in the chronology and is actually the direct predecessor to the most recent game, Metroid Dread which makes perfect sense um, if you've played Metroid Dread without spoiling it. I think everyone knows that it sort of it, it takes some of its cues from Fusion, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I was actually really surprised at how many cues Metroid Dread mm. took directly from this game. I mean, it makes sense when you're, you're looking at this list and the chronology of the stories. But uh, I mean, even down to um, like the way Samus gets her powers in Metroid Fusion, these kind of, you know, 
these situations where she will go in and, and defeat a boss and then kind of have to defeat this orb X that go flies around, right? You have to hit it a few times with a missile and then you get your new power. It reminds me a lot of when you're in Emmy sections of Metroid Dread and you kind of have to go to the data center, much like in this game, and you have to defeat like one creature before getting your next power. Like it, even very structurally as far as how upgrades are obtained to how you kind of clear areas of the of the map it just it, it in some cases they're one-to-one uh really mm. couldn't i really didn't remember that in hindsight when playing dread but it was very evident while playing this again wheeling back to the story just briefly i don't know if i'm the only panelist who who feels this but i i feel there's a kind of an elegance or a neatness to the continuity between metroid metroid 2 and, and super metroid and and fusion kind of feels like an addendum to that rather than actual like a natural progression to that there's a lot of mm. it might just be that the sophistication of the storytelling's slightly more um well sophisticated um but it, it almost feels like they're kind of um bending things to kind of finagle this particular story in with the addition of the x and then right. the kind of um i don't know a little bit more science behind how metroids function and, and how they worked because that wasn't yeah. necessarily as fleshed out as it could be in in super metroid I feel mm. like the the first three games tie together in a more direct way, and and maybe while Fusion is not, I mean, it, it is definitely still a, a direct successor, it kind of feels like there's a chunk missing, and maybe that's mm. where the manga comes in. I, I haven't read it, so I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, I would say I listened to those episodes before recording this, because uh, actually before recording the Prime episode, because it was the first Metroid um, you know, issue that I was on. And mm-hmm. I, I listened to them, and the way that I heard you you discuss the stories of the specifically Metroid Two and Super Metroid, it was kind of um like uh, it was a little daunting when thinking about this game because when I got to the end of it, I'm like, wow, I don't think I have a whole lot to say about the story in the way that I felt it was eloquently described in the in the in the previous episodes, and I and I I think part of that might lend to what you just said, Rich, is that like there's something missing from the story of this game and. I'm not quite sure what it is because it feels like at every chance this game has to give story to you, it literally stops the game, gives you the story, tells you where to go. Well, that and, that is it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I would go as far as to say is it's not something that's missing. I think there's too much. Okay. So, yeah. Maybe maybe just a little bit of like a, I don't know. It's more maybe, exposition-y. Exactly. Like, it feels the need okay. to give Samus a, a voice and like thoughts and feelings and it goes into a relationship with Adam, who mm-hmm. is a character that kind of permeates through both dread and other m uh, to varying degrees of success um it might just be that they're a little bit more ambitious with what they want to do or you know maybe they thought look we've sewn up the story quite neatly and in one of what is considered to be one of and, and i'm sorry to use hyperbole but one of gaming's greatest moments at the end of super metroid mm-hmm. yeah was, that was exactly the next thing i was going to sort of ask you all about like how did you feel about that that the extra exposition the fact that it has these nicely drawn, I think, scanned in cut scenes effectively with where suddenly the game will kind of stop or pause and give you some exposition. And Samus literally, I mean, not literally because you don't hear in this one. Um, I mean, Team Ninja's Metroid Other M that we'll cover in the future, which is actually set directly before this, came in for a lot of flat for its kind of cut scenes and exposition and things like that. But um, this game, which was, of course, released before it, although set after actually sort of set the set the tone for that actually having a more yeah more directly and obviously delivered plot and samus as a character and for me it does 
detracts slightly from the thing which people loved so much. I, even though I may not be the biggest Metroid fan around, um, I did, you know, I did appreciate that sense of isolation that so many people talk about with mm-hmm. with Super Metroid and Metroid Prime. Uh, and the occasionally, you know, you'd occasionally see a flash of Samus's eyes, or uh, if you completed the game fast enough, you'd you'd take a hat off or more, and mm-hmm. uh, and in a way that was kind of that was part of the whole deal. So to 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 suddenly, I don't know if that's the right use of that word, but for her to have a voice and a, a more obvious character, actually. It, it does fit with the with the game, with the, the kind of the more I, I suppose grounded setting of a lot of it. But but it it does offer a slightly different feeling experience, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. It it's kind of a tale of two times for me with that because at the time, um, I think cutscenes and kind of the development of storytelling in games, like I I I remember playing this game at the time and being like, wow, this really like I can't believe they did this in a in a handheld Game Boy game. You know, it was like impressive that they. They pulled it off and there was like all sure. these this dedication to these kind of scripted cutscene areas and these really what I thought were detailed, you know, uh, close up pictures of Samus, whether on those elevator rides or, or whatever. And kind of that that cutscene of the of the ship kind of circling the base and, and all those things. But now playing it, you know, currently it, it does feel a little less than necessary, you know, like it feels kind of like I don't want to say tacked on, but it feels like like a story flex of unnecessarily yeah. in parts where where the the thing I actually like about playing the game has nothing to do with those sections. Yeah, I think maybe if they'd uh, I haven't played Dread properly yet, so I don't know kind of how it goes. But I wonder if it, it's a representation, a reflection of what trends in the industry and and the medium were at the time, in terms of feeling like maybe they had to be more on the nose with with storytelling and cutscenes and whatever else. Whereas actually, I think like if um, another game that I want us to cover is is AM2R, which is the fan remake of two. Um, if this game had used text logs to tell its story, almost in the style of you know you could take them or leave them or you know pick them up and either read them or not, I think that would be a more kind of almost more modern take. Whereas this this cutscenes and script kind of you know sci-fi space opera melodrama thing feels a bit of its time and it's definitely a choice as well um like you know it's not obfuscating anything you know there's no loading times or anything it's it's that's that's what the director wants you to experience you know i think um over the last few days thinking about metroid fusion in particular because i think this um exposition heavy uh handholdy approach permeates a lot of different decisions throughout the game and we'll get onto it as we go through the Mm. gameplay but actually what I've come to, not realise necessarily, but come to terms with is, you know, I, I really like the um, obliqueness um, of Metroid, Metroid 2, and Super Metroid, but for a lot of people, that was a real turn-off. So yeah. this feels like a user-need kind of conversation about how, how many people felt turned off by the fact that it was so bleak. What mm. can we do to get them involved in that game? And maybe yeah. it's just a bit too heavy-handed of an approach to it but um well, they it, pulled it, it way back in dread so maybe they didn't get the response right. they were hoping for which which ended up selling a lot more copies although that's possibly partly to do with the fact that the switch sold more than the gba yeah. i think um just to pinpoint the story as well the not problematic that, that's very much not what i'm trying to get over here but the 
the fundamental relationship that Samus has with Adam and mm. the AI that is ostensibly the kind of um, artificial intelligence incarnation of her commanding officer Adam as well is a slightly mm. odd. I mean, it's very yeah. problematic in uh, Other M, but it's still slightly odd here. It gives Samus a kind of very um, subservient quality, which she didn't yeah. normally have. And it, it, it feels like a, a bit of an odd choice when you've had many, many games and so much material building Samus up as um, somebody who's quite capable. And quite so I, have, I actually have a question about that, and I don't know if any of you will know. Is, is Adam a, a character who was introduced in the manga because, like, this is the first time that I recall encountering him. And obviously, Other M was after this, where it was the actual yeah. character and not just the AI mm. that she says, oh, you're just like Adam, and he called me Lady, so now you have to call me Lady. <laughs> and it was it was not something that I loved, but I'm just wondering if that came from somewhere or if they just kind of backfilled that story yeah, from I can confirm he's, he's definitely in the manga, um, okay. though I just, it's not something that I've read. Um, mm. For better or for worse, yeah, I think that's that's probably where he originated, Adam Malkovich. There is uh, a, um, I don't know, kind of a an interesting thing to be said about how that relationship between Samus and the AI works out, because it's yet another uh, way that they have to, and another position in which they have to strip Samus of all her powers and gradually give them back to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of get why they did it this way because, you know, it 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 is very much a well, all of these powers exist. You can't just you just can't use them until we tell you you can use them. I mean, we could just give them all to you right now, but mm, you have to go Which through is, all of and this. And that's a real bugbear of people yeah. who played other rem. And this is not the other rem podcast, but like I do wonder to what extent that decision in Other M was because of what they'd laid and set up in yeah. in this. Obviously, it isn't the only way that you get your powers, but it's a it. You know, if if you have no means to access the manga, which two thousand and four Rich wouldn't have had, like right. it, it was a very odd, very dissonant step into a different direction for Samus. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I mean it 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 does sort of fit the storyline but also yeah i i agree that it is not it, it is contrary to what we have come to expect from samus if we have been familiar with her character through the previous games yeah. and and maybe we've boiled the ocean on this but really up until that point samus is a silent protagonist really mm. a vector through which you can kind of put yourself yeah. into the game and it just robs you of of that experience as part of this rob is a strong word what i mean to say is it eh, it doesn't eh. it, it, all of a sudden you're given an identity and motivations and stuff that deprives i would say yeah yeah, yeah. damanth from our forum says i replayed all the modern 2d's uh, 2d metroids to catch up for dread so this one was the last on the list. Talk about this game was basically nothing but how terrifying of a world it made. The SAX is horror on the GBA. Maybe it's just getting me getting lucky, but I basically never ran into the SAX unless it was scripted. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that's how it works. So it didn't really feel that threatening, except the one part it power bombs the floor. So you got to hide. No, what really stood out, especially after Super, was just how rigid the story track was. I understand it's kind of the point 
making us as restricted as Samus, but I barely felt like exploring anything in fear of getting stopped by some impassable door. So I basically ignored everything optional, except for the diffusion missiles somehow ran into those early. Does that make it a bad game? Dunno. Guess that's what the discussion is for. But there's a lot of like mechanical things that hinge around story beats as well. Like, you know, you go into the first area, the SR388 kind of um, biome, if you like, and you've got to go and destroy those um, air ventilation stuff. Like, I, I, I don't know how under Super Metroid rules you could have uh, guided the player into that kind of conclusion. That might have been a bit of a, a strange jump, so... Yeah, maybe it's a bit of a sort of weird blend of, look, they've got a lot of ideas to do some pretty cool and interesting stuff, but it was too oblique if um, if you didn't actually give the player like a modicum of instruction. Tom Van Dusen, Doisen, excuse me, Tom, from our forum says, before tackling Metroid Dread, I figured it would be a good idea to go back and play the original 2D Metroids. Super Metroid was incredibly difficult for me, but I really like that it it tells the way uh, it the way that it told the game's story through very subtle cutscenes, free of dialogue. Fusion was next, and I was immediately taken aback by the number of scripted scenes that went on and on, and the extreme linearity of the gameplay. Much less emphasis was put on exploration. I ended the game with a paltry forty-three percent of items found. I played it on a four K fifty-five inch TV using my Mister which is a neat way to play GBA games with a filter to break up the chunky pixels and the game looked terrific. But I feel like playing it this way may have removed its context as a handheld game. The developers may have thought a more linear game is more suitable for handheld. Zero Mission was next on my list and I feel like they righted every wrong from Fusion and created a a true standout in the series. Hmm. It's notable that uh, this game is one of those GBA games that has a, a, an in-game, a software sleep mode. Um, but I would say that things like save rooms are far more common and closer together than they are in, in, in the game's predecessors. Although well, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance on Metroid 2. I, no? I had some issues with the placement of save rooms right. that made me very glad that I was playing it on a right. uh, Retron just mm-hmm. because I, I, for the most part, I thought it was fine. And then there were a couple of just really, usually before bosses, because the bosses in this game are mm. punishing, or, mm-hmm. or at least I found them to be punishing. Uh, I did too. And then there is also, uh, there are also rather a, a few sections where you have to run away from the SAX, um, which is not my favorite mechanic in most games. There are mm. a couple of notable exceptions, but I, I don't, I really generally do not like it when games say you can't fight this, you have to run away. And yeah. the SAX is extremely powerful, so you can't fight it. And if no. you don't run fast enough or you don't know, it, the odds that you are going to, on your first try, going into it blind, be able to run away correctly from the SAX, do not seem to be very high to me. Um, I died in that there is just one section that you that the SAX comes in behind you and you kind of have to run a couple of screens over and then hide from it. And I died in that section a a few times and the last you don't get any warning that it's coming and the last save point before the last save room before that is not close Uh, so that's that's really i think where i started using save states because i just got really tired of having to 
bump my way yeah. all the way back there. And like I said, this isn't something that I think is super pervasive throughout this game, but it hit me often enough that it really did start to annoy me by by yeah. the end of the game. To Tom's point about like, you know, being set up for a handheld, I actually do think there's something in there, you know, like the save rooms will be right next to the navigation rooms, which will be right next to the recharge rooms. So it's basically setting you up for a period of gameplay. Now, Metroid yeah, yeah. Fusion is not a very long game. Uh, you know, you could do a blind no. playthrough in probably about six hours, and that that would be very generous. Um, Four forty-seven, I think my time was. Yeah, yeah. I was somewhere, just I was under somewhere five. Around four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, even if you if if you do know what you're doing, you could basically get in and out of an objective within ten fifteen minutes, which is probably about what the sweet spot is for a handheld gaming. So I, th- I think it it probably is set up in such a way that it's actually aligned to user needs for for handheld stuff. Let's talk a bit about the pixels in the game. The visuals Pecan Pie from our Patreon says the Game Boy Advance is dear to me and Fusion is one of the best games on the GBA. That's mainly due to it being a portable Super Metroid. But that was an awesome thing in 2002 and should be celebrated. It also does some iteration. My favourite being the ledge grab, which makes this Samus feel even better to control. It still looks pleasing today and the colour palette with Samus's turquoise and pink is distinct to this game and memorable. I replay this every few years and it still holds up and gives me an excuse to use my much-loved Game Boy Micro. Uh, So I suppose the thing I would say about the visuals is uh, very nice pixel art within the confines of the the GBA's 240 by 160 resolution, even when blown up onto a stupidly large modern telly by the standards of 2002. um, It looks like a it looks like a modern indie game i suppose yeah, yeah. is a funny way of putting it but um but i do think that while part of me appreciates the fact that the the environments are that much more detailed and quotes i don't know if realistic's the right term but representative of actual environments again as with the cutscenes, uh the 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 story elements the fact that it it does look much more like a real kind of place and space. There was something about the nature of the of its predecessors that gave it that slightly off kilter feel that left you feeling slightly discombobulated about where you were and what you were doing. But this this being so much more grounded is cool because it kind of gives you a sense of where Samus is and what you're doing. But also it kind of, for me, it just lost again a little bit of that classic metroid atmosphere is that is that just me no i i I felt that way um especially the second go around it felt a little bit more um just uh, you already said grounded in reality but it it did it just it felt like it was more of a like a visitor rather a visitor to a place of my like on my own accord as opposed to being stranded you know, which mm. is that game we talked about before, that isolation aspect right. of Metroid. Like, oh, I got to get the ship working. I got to get out of here. I got to figure out what's going on. As opposed to this, like, it just, this felt like a game with objectives. And that did take a little bit of that away from me. Um, what did bring it back, though, is, and I don't know what they were doing on this space station that, that made them have a a a heat-based sector and a cold-based sector and a dark sector. You know, I don't yeah, know, but no, sure. like, yeah. no kitchens or bedrooms right. or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. So it's still a bit, yeah. yeah, it's a bit abstract in that respect if you think about it properly. Yeah, yeah. true. But uh, but yeah, I, I I did it did um it did lead to some pretty pretty cool environments, and I also kind of enjoyed 
and this is probably a, a counterpoint. I, I would be interested to hear everybody else's thoughts on this. It just, I enjoyed kind of how condensed the sections were and how each section, because it is a space station, like, like you do have a couple times you have to kind of go around and through uh, like, you know, sector four to get to sector six or whatever. Um, but mostly like you're going to go into each section and you're going to have a condensed little experience like Rich said before, and then you're going to go out and go to another section. And that at mm. least feels coherent with the design and the story of the game. As opposed to like an alien world, you might blow open this tunnel and the next thing you know, you're going around to the other side of the planet. But here it did feel like everything was cordoned off in the way that a working station would be in that sense. Yeah, I agree with that. I it, it doesn't it does not feel as organic as something like a Super Metroid. But even in those other Metroid games, they kind of are doing the same thing. Like you still have your lava yeah. section and you still have your underwater section and you still have your whatever and they're all kind of you know you might have to take an elevator to get to one or something like that but but it feels more like it happened naturally and here obviously that's not the case they uh, it maybe it was technical limitations that they they had or just or just a design decision to where they didn't want anything to like they didn't want it to have to link to every other section in in that way so it just you know it works better that way and i i actually agree with brian i do like having them kind of segmented off like that it it makes me feel a little bit a little bit easier in my in my mind that that i have checked off everything i wanted to check off and of yeah, course i didn't sure, this time yeah. because my completion percentage was so low but um mm. but yeah i um i actually watched a zero percent playthrough of this from GQ yeah, right. a few years ago and it was wild how they they were able to avoid some of the things that you would normally have to be able to uh to right. get um, but yeah, I, I, I like the, the segmenting off and I kind of, I don't really even mind the fact that they point you to where you're supposed to go. Um, because I, I get lost pretty easily. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. that's just a yeah. thing. I, I completely agree. I have totally mixed feelings on this. Mm. Um, as in terms of games design, in terms of what I like, because I do feel less anxious and frustrated and occasionally bored because I'm very rarely lost in this game. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that it loses something as well, that sort of sense of um, organic yeah. exploration and yeah. the satisfaction yeah. of refinding yourself after being lost. So, yeah, I think it it it, work, it both works and it doesn't. But I can totally understand why the the yeah, the, this facet of this game in terms of design is is probably the most spoken about aspect of it, because each one up to this point had probably been a bit less. Um, off you go and find yourself mm -hmm. uh, right. than the last one, partly to do with the era of game design that they came from, the original in 1986. Like, as we know from uh, our friend Ben and, and your own playthrough, Rich, that like you can learn that game and, and kind of get it down, and that's a satisfaction in itself. Yeah. But when you're first thrown into it it's 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 like the it's like the original Zelda and it's just like well there you go right. you're in the game off yeah. you go um and those kind of those kind of uh design tenets went out of fashion um for a lot of reasons um and i think probably the single most discussed aspect of video games design on this podcast over the last 11 years is the balance trying to find the balance that pleases the most people between completely holding your hand and completely letting you explore for yourself. Yeah, right. And there's no, there's, there's no one answer. Right. And there's no, 
there's no absolute there's no perfect result and everybody's different so everyone has different things so all we can ever do really is is sort of say how each individual example worked for us right and yeah so for me i'm conflicted and less happy that the game only took me four, four to five hours to complete and happy i was seldom horribly horribly lost but also again it plays into the the feeling i have that this game doesn't quite give the full metroid yeah. in that yeah yeah I think a lot of that, I, I can most easily one-to-one -one compare this game with Metroid Dread, not just because it's the one mm. I played most recently. I just think they have a ton of similarities. And Metroid Dread is a game that lets you get lost a lot. Uh -huh. and, um, and Oh, you really? Are, yeah, okay. you go, there are whole slots of that game Confirmed. where you just yes. really <laughs> don't know where you're supposed to go next. Um, I'm, I'm glad to know that yeah. ahead of whenever we cover that game. Um, and the, but so so there's this one two of that. I find my I found myself getting frustrated getting lost in Metroid Dread way more than I did this game. But when I finished yeah. Metroid Dread, I want to say my completion percentage was like seventy percent because right. I kept going back to old areas, bombing mm. walls, doing the thing. So I actually got more in giant air quotes out of the game mm -hmm. for that. And there were moments of fun discovery where I you, know, you get an energy tank or you find a missile upgrade. And then also that frustration of all I had to do was bomb this one very specific spot in the floor. And that's how I pro how I progress. So you're right. There's no there's no um, there's no there's no perfect formula for that. But without that in this game, I felt myself less incentivized to just explore because it wasn't yeah. making me do that ex exploration kind of organically in in, you know, finding my path. A couple of observations for me. Um I never feel comfortable in this environment. It feels very artificial, like the way that you transition between one screen and the next can put you from, especially in the um, like jungle area, you can move from a very kind of what feels very sort of tropical, organic into an area that's just like sheer metal. And that's quite an uncomfortable, claustrophobic environment. And I think what's lost with, with Fusion, which is really pertinent in, um, in Super Metroid in particular, is a lot of like weather effects. So you get the real sense that you are outside when you're on yeah. the surface. That's just simply not present here. And that's by design. So I'm sure that's probably mission accomplished. And mm. I guess to some extent it's replaced by um, some of the foreground layers where you've got a little bit of smoke effects and stuff like that. But like it's it's almost in the use case as well. So they, they didn't actually put the X-ray scope in this game. So I think what they're trying to do is oh, yeah. like have the player prioritize exploration a lot less and just get in and out of certain areas as quickly as possible. So, yeah, it, it it's it's an artificial environment and a very artificial sort of um, what's the right word? I suppose like um, like a like a beat by beat gameplay. That kind of pacing yeah. is is still very artificial, and it's a really uncomfortable environment for me. Hmm, I've talked a lot about my kind of relationship with being in caves in games or being in oh, doors yeah. in games i, I feel yeah. it very acutely in fusion mm, interesting yeah uh it's interesting though that uh yeah i hadn't actually kind of clocked the lack of x-ray scope well yeah i suppose it had crossed my mind but uh the the, the lack of x-ray but actually despite that it still has the the same kind of like rooms it, yeah. where where there's invisible and necessity to do the same things that you would be doing yeah there. Um, yeah just quickly as well one thing i forgot about as well like i was picking up on this today as i was playing through like there's as far as i'm concerned less use of parallax in um fusion than there is in super yeah. metroid as well which again feels very one-dimensional yeah. very claustrophobic mm. yeah i don't actually know if the 
generally sort of the the tech of the GBA was often considered by the layman such as myself to be a kind of a mini SNES. But I actually I've I've seen enough videos from techie folks in recent years to know that it was actually a very different piece of kit. Uh, it wasn't just a miniaturized Super Nintendo, and so maybe that mm. was one of the things that that it wasn't so so capable of. Obviously, a lot of the games on the Game Boy Advance were kind of miniaturized SNES games, so it, it definitely shared some strengths and and possibly weaknesses. Um, but also, it wasn't; it was far from identical. So, yeah, uh, or maybe it was partly the the busyness that on a on a very small the original GBA screen and and indeed the SP and the Micro even more so are only a couple of inches big. Maybe having multiple layers of parallax scrolling is was considered to be confusing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about the audio, talking about the, the technical side of, of the Game Boy Advance. Um, so I, I think one of the things that's uh, possibly aged the least well about a lot of GBA games is the audio. And I think that's not not necessarily just because of the the... the capabilities of the sound chip although maybe that's part of it but in on some games you would hear some really crisp clean deep audio on the gba but a lot of games had a lot of fuzz to them and i assume that was compression as much as anything um this game is a bit fuzzy sounding but not certainly not the worst offender that i've heard on the gba um instruments wise it's i guess it's not dissimilar to super metroid it's got um got some similar sort of sounding samples in that in terms of composition though brian i know you had something mm. uh you wanted to say about the composition here so i i think it's 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 a really disjointed soundtrack because a lot of the just by the nature of the game it, it a lot of it is just ambient kind of you know spooky space noise for lack of a better term yeah. um but a couple of the the actual the songs for a few of the sections are really complicated and really kind of intricate and mm. i find this game more than I, I I honestly couldn't couldn't tell you a, a song from or a, a track from Metroid Dread that that stuck with me. Uh, Super Metroid's got a couple bangers, the original Metroid theme, obviously, but um, this game has like three or four different stage soundtracks that that are really I think interesting and unique. And I and I think they're they are followed up and then sandwiched in between some of just like kind of these forgettable, not forgettable, but like just servicing the game but not really doing anything uh too interesting as far as sound composition goes so yeah it, it's a it's a real soundtrack of high and lows for me um i do think that in general the sound design in this game is excellent i think that yeah. you know the just the from you know just firing your missiles and and the bombs yeah. and and the it's kind a lot of, punchier than i yeah. was expecting yeah, yeah, yeah. and and some of the other games in the series i felt like it has some real oomph playing that, it that's probably the combination headphones. of uh, audio and visual though you know when the bomb hits something or sorry the super missile hits something screen, the screen shake. shakes and you get that yeah, crunch yeah, yeah. noise you know it's it's very satisfying yeah um fusion does have the obligatory metroid sort of dissonant very happy heroic theme that i picked yeah up on that always the rest weirds of it. me out a bit yeah, it, it, you know, like it, it sits at odds with the idea that you're creating something which is, and it's not just, you know, the entire environment is against you. And yet somehow mm. there's this very kind of melodic, chirpy little tune just to kind of yeah. give you a kick up the rear and tell you that you're going to be fine, which is slightly odd. Yeah. It kind of makes sense if it would only kick in late game when you're a bit OP, apart from yeah, the well, obvious. Well, there is one right at the end of the game when Samus has a bit of a heart to heart with. Um, 
the AI um, and learns that it's actually, essentially, <laughs> it is like Malgovich behind you, there. And... Are you referring to the moment where Samus changes the computer's mind? Is that what you're talking <laughs> That's about? That's exactly it, yeah. <laughs> and it chimes in with this very kind of like, oh, oh, well, um, oh, that was interesting. Let's go, let's go and beat the boss. I've been empowered by my uh, AI friend. <laughs> It's, it's very i mean it is there and it's like you know it, it it speaks to that kind of revelation that samus has gone through at that point but it, it it's an odd choice i prefer the dissonant um unrecognizable soundtracks yeah. from super metroid and yeah. uh definitely metroid 2 and yes. obviously uh like the likes of creates theme in metroid 1 which mm. is like hostile through and through mm. any musical or sound thoughts leah I, not not anything that really expands much beyond what people have said. Yeah, I I I did feel that the the sound design was pretty strong. I I there was that the charging noise on the charge beam is maybe not my favorite thing because it's <laughs> just drilled into my head because I was always charging the charge beam. Uh, but I, I mean, it was it was fine for what it was. I just think that maybe they didn't think as much about what if mm. you had to hear this the entire time that you're playing yeah, yeah. as mm. maybe they might have. But uh, other yeah. than that, yeah, I, I thought that the, the sound design was good. And I... I didn't have as strong a connection with the music as as it sounds like Brian did, but I I thought it was fine. It was plenty mm. uh plenty good for the uh the kind of vibe that they were setting up. So yeah, the new and improved low health alarm is as obnoxious as it's ever been. It's it always yeah, is. Is. <laughs> and I still hate her little getting hit noise as well um but that's partly to do with the effect it has on the the gameplay which we'll come on to worth noting that there is a there are separate sound options in the menu for headphones or speakers which uh, which does have a fairly sometimes those those options don't really sound like they do very much to me but this one is very distinct it's like clearly a very different mix for yeah for headphones that is is worth switching to if you are playing on headphones the music was composed by Minako Hamano and Akira Fujiwara, with sound effects by Takaya Fuji. According to Hamano, Sakamoto wanted her to create music in accordance with Adam's dialogue. Hamano aimed for serious ambient music rather than melody, because she didn't want the exploration themes to be annoying. She also arranged jingles from Super Metroid for Fusion, as Nintendo of America wanted the developers to look for, quote, Hollywood-like voice actors, Hamano added the voice of an announcer. The developers planned to feature more voice acting, but the voices were only used for warning announcements due to ROM cartridge limitations. That was kind of an interesting scene where you first go to the area when you just get the wave beam mm. and then that warning goes off and, and out of your GBA came warning. Do not. It's like, wow, that's like I did not expect <laughs> that. It wasn't just an alarm. It wasn't just a pulsating light mm. or anything. It was really telling me not to go somewhere, which super made you want to go to there. So that like it worked. It, it, had, it yeah. had the desired effect. And it's legible too. Which is yeah, yeah. It's very clear, yeah. Yeah. A two disc soundtrack album, Metroid Prime and Fusion Original Soundtracks, was published by Skytron or Cytron in uh, June 2003. The second disc contains tracks from Fusion, along with an additional track arranged by Shinji Hosa. Good luck tracking that. <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a legitimate copy anyway. One thing I learned in researching for this, uh, having only ever played the EU ROM, of course, there's no significant, uh, you know, there's no uh, PAL NTSC version differences of 
slower gameplay or anything like that being a, a GBA handheld but the Japanese version allows players to choose between three difficulty settings for their game file a feature not seen in the other versions easy and normal mode are available from the start while the latter is the setting used in the American and European copies of the game the former setting allows the player to absorb more life and ammunition from the free floating X parasites lowers the damage dealt by enemies and simplifies most of the bosses I would have taken that apart from maybe the simplifies bosses aspect. I I think that the 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 free floating X parasites top ups are stingy. And I think you take a lot of damage. Yeah, you do. And I think that's um also one of the reasons why E tanks and missile upgrades are just mm. way more um available in this game than yeah, another there's games. loads it, yeah. it does it does feel like there's a slight balancing issue because really kind of cutting with the exception when you first go into that area with the um the blue x parasites that freeze you just kind of cutting around the space station really isn't too problematic um but the bosses just the difficulty spike that's on there it's quite uh mean-spirited yeah. we'll come back to those uh also just out of Pure interest, the Japanese version of Fusion also features adult and child modes that use either kanji or hiragana text to make it easier or harder for children to read. Yeah. <laughs> How thoughtful. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the, the control of Samus. Does Samus feel right? Does Samus feel like Samus feels? For the most part, I think so. Um, I, I didn't really have any issues uh in controlling samus there there were maybe a couple of spots and you know take this as you will i was playing with super nintendo controller so it wasn't quite exactly the same thing well, as as near it as would have been yeah. but uh yeah. about the closest that i i think yeah I yeah i've had with a regular controller sure. um there were a couple of places where i found that i getting into and out of the morph ball when i was trying to do so quickly mm. was not always yeah, the, hmm. the yeah. easiest okay. thing to do, like when sticky I was, balls. yeah, yeah, exactly. There are sticky <laughs> uh -huh. balls in this game, uh -huh. um, and <laughs> so, uh, and I, I swear, this is just burned into my mind. I think this this chase sequence <laughs> with the SAX, but um, mm. that was part of what I had difficulty with. Was there's like a section where you kind of have to jump over something and then lay down a a super bomb and then get back mm. up and and like getting into and out of that ball and laying yeah. that that yeah. uh bomb down in the middle just it it stuck me for a while so um Which yeah, is, that... is, that's something that you never have to do in super metroid so clearly yeah. they had quite a lot more yeah either scope or confidence in the control scheme to basically compel the players to do some fairly complicated set of inputs you know i would have liked the roll in and roll out as per prime, prime but yeah. without that little <laughs> that little stutter we talked about in prime that was almost just stopped it from being quite perfect yeah. the the in and out of, of morph ball <laughs> um i mean thank heavens they added the ledge grab this probably yeah. my single favorite nice. oh sure yeah. uh addition here uh and i um I don't know if they, have they ever taken it away again. I'm, I'm not sure because I haven't played every other game in this series. It's but uh, definitely I'm, I'm in dread for sure. Mm -hmm. Sure, and I'm sure it's in Zero Mission as well. Um, uh, was it me or can you not really bomb jump in this game? You, you, you. you so, so I was looking at this today. Ah. You, 
the the average human cannot. So okay. well, I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> so like a frame, one frame. It's, it's less so that there's some back end processing in there, which says ah. if you are traveling in a certain direction, i.e. down, then it will negate any of the the, the bomb jump that you've gotten. It, ah. it is possible. Like I was watching a speed run of it, and they're talking about how a tool assisted speed run could do that, but the actual mm. to actually get anywhere with a bomb jump would take a significant amount of time because and i think this is something that i was going to pick up on the gravity in zero uh, excuse me the gravity infusion is very different to what it is in ah. Super metroid metroid 2 and metroid in particular is it samus has got a really floaty jump normally in the predecessors yeah yeah but yeah. in here like she enjoys that kind of floaty jump up but then the gravity is way higher so it pulls you down and this right. is the first of um, specifically in Zero Mission and then going forward and, and definitely in uh, in other REM, like it's a very, very heavy gravity and it's a very mm. like zippy game, whereas I enjoy the kind of turgid nature of um, <laughs> previous uh, <laughs> Samus's. I love turgid. Brian! Um, <laughs> I, hate, um, I hate the window on the spin jump, the initial spin jump, double jump. I was just get. about to bring that up, yeah. Now, it's not as finicky as it was in the original Super Metroid but it's still, it just, no matter how much I did it, there's one particular boss that I'm sure we'll talk about more, the nightmare boss, where you really need to master the air jump to kind of get around the room. Yeah. And uh, and it took me a long time to even get vaguely comfortable with it. Once you add the screw attack, suddenly it seems to be really easy, like it massively increases the window of opportunity or something, or I just got it by that stage. But... There were the amount of times where I was trying to double jump or spin jump in the air, but I just missed the window and would fall onto this thing. Um, I never felt really comfortable with that mechanic. It always felt like if I was playing another game, like I double jump in all kinds of games. We all do, right? Um, and it feels, it tends to feel natural. The the, the sign of a solid 3D platformer mm. or whatever is, is or 2D, is where the window of your, your second jump feels nice and natural even though of course it's a completely unnatural thing so yeah it's a complicated it setup, not... isn't it i mean mm. I, I personally think that this game relies on the uh space jump way less than the other metroids do in, in mm. particular maybe not so much super metroid but you have to be moving either left or right in the cardinal yes. directions and then yeah. jump again at a very specific point of the That's downward it. movement. Yeah. The it. gravity, again, the gravity in this game is significantly more severe, yeah. which makes it I, a little bit less. I could never, forgiving. I could never get it. Like, I, I mean, I, uh, there right. was a, a section towards the end, right before the section uh, Leah was talking about, actually with the SAX where you have to do that bomb section, you're, you're mm. going to this tiny corner in the top left of a, of a big vertical room. And it, I just, it never became natural to me where I felt like I could hit it, you know, nine times out of ten, just boom, boom, boom. Like, it felt like I'd have a rhythm down. I'd do the same thing next time in my brain, would do the same thing next time, and just I would just plummet to the ground. Like, I, that that was the only part of the locomotion in this game that I just did not get along with. Everything else I thought was, was pretty, yeah. you know, standard, but... Yeah. Same. Yeah. And see, that's funny because I, I'm pretty sure that I mentioned this in the Super Metroid show, but like I had a big problem with the space jump in that game. I just I, mm -hmm. it wasn't clicking with my fingers and my brain for some reason. Yeah. But in this game, I, I didn't have any problem with it. Oh, None okay. whatsoever. I, mm. I don't know yeah. why. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And the wall jump on this game's a lot less uh, punitive than it is in Super Metroid as well. So, you know, that that's fairly straightforward. I don't remember doing any wall jumps. Yeah, I don't think I did. Hmm. Huh. I mean, you can. There's, there's 
I wouldn't say sequence breaking, but there's a lot of stuff you can do with a wall jump oh. to access bits and bobs. Okay. Hmm. One thing I do really like in this game, uh, and again, I think it's partly that it is more linear and, and handholdy, but I thought the map was really useful in this game, like yeah. really helpful and easy to read. One might say even... necessary. Yeah, for sure. And di- didn't it have the, the, I might be remember this incorrectly, I apologize. Didn't it have a button on the map where you could check objective and get like a re... Yep. Where like the the AI would just like reread the text to you and highlight the area you're supposed to go to. Yeah, okay, super useful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, and I suppose the uh, one thing worth pointing out is that although the map is reasonably comprehensive, it's not fully comprehensive in that there are unmapped areas which come up in a different color, and some of them you'll need to go into to complete the game. I think I only looked at a guide like twice throughout the entire game um yeah when i when i got stuck but but there's there's obviously based on the fact that i only got half the energy tanks there's a lot of areas that i never went to i think the exception to this kind of like the the usefulness of the map is there's one part of the game which requires you to go off map to an uncharted area yeah Mm. and then another which simply doesn't give you an objective so it's like right somewhere the implication is that it's somewhere in the area now go away and find it and that that's mm-hmm. very late on the game just before the nightmare boss yeah i think doesn't that happen in a couple of areas where it's like yeah there's you, you have to find the the room to to the room to find the room basically and, and yes. but we can't tell you where the first one is so you have to go find this before. but i mean you're still confined within for the most part like, like you said with the exception of going off map you, you are for the most part combo- confined to a specific area so like there's only kind of so many places you can go but i yeah i i think that there i, I want to say that i remember there being like just twice that you had to do that mm. i suppose if i think back uh this is recent i only completed the game last night um to kind of strong images in my mind about what i would consider to be a signature element of design of metroid fusion it would be those for want of a better phrase, puzzle rooms, which is where there's not necessarily uh, anything to do beyond getting an upgrade. But the path is such that it demands that you work out your way to navigate a a one screen room, or sometimes you might have to go off the screen and come back onto it in terms of working out what you have to bomb, what you have to missile, what you mustn't bomb or missile because it will block your path. Right. Uh, which bit of invisible wall you have to go through, et cetera, and so on. Yeah, that just became like my my strategy at at one point. It just once you get the super bomb, makeup's like I'm just going to get to this room. I'm going to drop a super bomb, and I'll see all yeah. the areas in this room that <laughs> yeah. need my attention. And that just kind of became the uh, the strategy for me. You do get quite a few super bombs. Like you, you there is not much resource scarcity that I encountered, and no. I did not do no. everything by a long shot. So, and especially mm. with the yeah. areas being so condensed and it's like it's really not uh not that much far of a trek to just go back to a recharge room and then come back yeah like it really it doesn't put you off that much you know uh yeah to, to just make that that walk back to the beginning which again i appreciate but it does make it considerably less daunting and scary than say even super but certainly the original metroid yeah and like that that super bomb strategy brian exactly the same with me and you know with the exception of one room which i was bemoaning about in the canon rinse <laughs> slack earlier today yeah. where there's a, just an invisible wall just out of nowhere just completely yeah, right. 
not mm. not aligned with anything else in the game and then you've got to try and somehow find it yeah other than that um yeah oh yes thing. you posted this screenshot yeah this is in the sort of underwater uh, area yes yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah that that whole section i thought was 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 quite fun but yes made absolutely no real sense in terms of a of an existing place certainly i know this is 20 years ago um but this was actually some of these some of these levels and areas reminded me of arcade adventures i was playing on the 8-bit computers in the early 80s um not not necessarily in a bad way just in a in a way that uh this is just pure 2d video games design this has no basis in in reality or 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 logic and in fact that sort of that goes against what we were saying about the the nature of the the slightly more grounded storytelling of of fusion compared to other metroids uh before we move on i just want to pick mm. up on on something in particular um because I don't see it anywhere else in the show notes, just while we're on the subject of the map. Uh, a particular thing that I thought was a bit eye-rolling about this game is when it mandates you do the save the animals thing that's so kind <laughs> of uh, loaded about in Super Metroid. It basically makes you go and save the animals and then gives you a very kind of... Uh, um, <laughs> that's not cringe-inducing, but sort of like, oh yeah, well, it does well think, done. It does think that they're humans until you find them, to be fair. So, so it's well, saved the humans. Well, then they help you out later. You weren't yeah, going to go get they the get... animals. Exactly. They start your ship. Exactly, and there's that little little pixel portrait of them just kind of cozied up in that ship. Yeah, you're heartless, Rich. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is a man with frames. a dog. It's a man with a dog. Uh, according to lead programmer Katsuya Yamano, Nintendo R and D one did not consult previous Metroid games for programming techniques, and instead used their previous game Wario Land Four as a reference. Hmm. Hence all the garlic, I guess. The system director, Takehiko Hosokawa, states that while parts of the old Metroid gameplay remain in fusion, the developers introduced new elements. Samus's suit design was revamped. The canonical explanation is that this was because an ex-parasite had attacked Samus and made her lose all her abilities. Missiles were expanded with two upgrades, much like the various beam upgrades, the ice missile, which has a similar effect to the ice beam, and the diffusion missile, which greatly increases the blast radius. Other minor abilities were added to fusion, such as climbing walls and ceilings. Yes, that's true. There are kind of monkey bars and grapple, grappling walls rather than walls that you just have to slide down. Uh, the health of missile drops are replaced by the X-parasites that are similarly released after defeating enemies. In terms of items and upgrades, Metroid Fusion is one of the two Metroid games, the other being Dread, that can be completed with... 0% of the items. Only the capacity upgrades count towards the percentage, not the power-ups themselves. Previously, the minimum was thought to be 1% as a capacity upgrade in PYR, which is uh, the fire area, was thought impossible to avoid. But with near frame-perfect timing, it is possible to take a different route. Mm. Yeah, I mentioned that I, I watched a run yesterday where they did that. And yeah, it's it's like... You have to come up from below the the power up, and it really looks like you should be collecting it because you kind right. of it, it's not a glitch, but it's like a it, mm. it, it's I couldn't do it. It's, it's very <laughs> it's very precise. Effectively, it's a kind of yeah, uh, I guess a bug, but yeah, these things are. I love the fact that people are still finding this crazy stuff out. I don't yeah, know when that awesome. was found, but in the recent in recent times. Um, so yeah, I suppose. Uh, Combat in the 2D Metroid games is, although it's something you you do a lot in the, almost every room you walk into, there's a bunch of enemies and some of them have different weaknesses to different weapons. 
it always feels to me like other than the bosses the enemies are more of a an obstacle rather than an opponent if you see what i mean mm-hmm. um but i think the fact that the the sound effects and so on in this game were a bit i felt were a bit punchier kind of made these these things a little more enjoyable and the sort of the the, the rhythm of shooting the stuff and arcing through the air and grabbing the things that they drop I thought felt a bit a bit less staccato. I think it was interesting that um, where you would kill an enemy, and if you don't collect the X mm. quick enough, they will go down and morph into another enemy. And there, yeah. there's some rooms that are actually the progress is gated behind. You have to wait for them to yeah. uh, spawn yeah. another enemy. Um, I I thought that was an, an interesting twist on that. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, I I thought the and and also the Metroid thing of like some rooms are clearly just filled with low low damage enemies just so you have a chance to replenish some health and items yeah. before you move on. Um but yeah, I there wasn't there wasn't a room in this game save for when you can't avoid the ice X parasites like before you have that yeah. power whatever yeah, suit. Yeah. I can't remember the, the the name of the suit that allows you to kind of deal with them. The various suit, isn't it? Is it the very yeah. suit? Um, so those were annoying because you'd blow up the wrong section of the wall and this blue blob would come out and be like, oh, yeah. come on. But um, other than that, every room, I I was pretty much just taking my time fighting everything, having a having a pretty good time. And later, those blue enemies are big health power-ups yeah. once you got the suit. Mm-hmm. Run straight into them. Which yeah, is exactly. nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some uh, there's some sort of uh, talking about that area, the underwater area. There's some sort of puzzles based around enemies in there, static enemies that inflate. If you get too near them, you have to freeze them from further away while they're small and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, fun. And that and not to just keep talking about the things that the small things that annoyed me in an otherwise positive experience. Um, I I was do here. <laughs> stonewalled after getting the diffusion missiles because I had no idea what they did. I didn't know that you uh, had to charge the missile button to use them. Right. So you get to that area with those inflating enemies that you're talking about, and you yeah. need to freeze them with a diffusion missile, and then it and then it, ta- it allows you to open up a path to the top or bottom. And it yeah, took me right. at least I I looked that up. Fifteen fact, minutes yeah. of going back and forth, going back and forth, and and then once I realized you could charge the missile, then it was it was all right. But it just um, for a game that was otherwise telling me exactly what I needed to yes. do every minute, <laughs> it yeah. was a pretty tough wall to just run right into. Now, you raise a really good point there. That is the problem with games that hold your hand and then suddenly stop holding yeah. your hand. Because <laughs> right. you, yeah. learn to, yeah. you learn to expect to be told what to, get, what to do, where to go. And then when it suddenly pulls that rug out from under you, you're kind of left flailing in the wind a bit. Yeah. And, for me, that particular part was a problem because I basically turn the ice missiles off at a certain point because oh. I don't want to freeze the enemies. I just want them to oh, keep going. Right. You know, uh, like if, if you're just running through them and you're freezing them, sometimes they're a bit of a barrier. So you've got to somehow... That's one remember. of those Metroid facets, features that I often forget even exists and I didn't even think about it in this game. Uh, uh, yeah, you can go into your suit and status menu and deactivate. I didn't find that for a while, by the way, that that status screen. Yeah, I I don't think it's mandatory. I don't think you have to use it. Well, I didn't. I've completed the game. But there are a few situations where it may be advantageous to switch certain things off. There was, I can't remember which one. Was it Prime? No, no, it wouldn't have been Prime. Maybe it was Super. But yeah, there's there's a couple of bits in Metroid games where it almost is mandatory or it will make your life a lot easier to switch certain, certain power ups off. Magical Isopod from our forum says Metroid Fusion is probably my favourite in the series, although it may be tied with Prime. Metroid Fusion just has this energy to it that's quite unique. 
People love the brooding quiet of Super Metroid, and I totally get that. But Fusion is louder, sleeker, and quite colourful. It has these great action moments that ratchet up the adrenaline and keep the pulse pounding. The music is very often energetic to match. This one also has my favourite boss fights in the series. Hmm. I also appreciate its brevity. I see this one criticised for being quite linear, uh, for being linear quite often. And while that's not quite true, it certainly is less arcane in its navigation. But for me, this is a benefit. It keeps a fairly high tension throughout. The game says it's peace and it concludes before the energy settles or the formula gets stale. It still has the navigation puzzles. It still has the exploration, but there's definitely less pixel hunting and more alien blasting. So that's a reasonable assessment. Mm. I did want to say, though, you mentioned the uh, the rooms full of uh, easily killable power up enemies. Like, why? Why do they get? slaughtered for for food and yet the <laughs> cute ones that launch your ship they're they're like released and sent into why do we choose i know it's kind of what happens in real life isn't it you can't eat them they're cute but you can eat them um samus takes significantly more damage in metroid fusion than in other metroid games it says on wikidroid especially before she acquires any suit upgrades this not only demonstrates her weakened state but is offset by the game also having the most energy tanks, 20, which itself is a result of power-ups, not factoring into the item percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only found 10 energy of tanks of the 20, and so the map will give you a circle on a screen where it's willing to tell you there's a, a collectible, but they're not all indicated, right? So there aren't, like, unless they're off 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 map, as it were, there are, yeah, 10 energy tanks that I never even saw, let alone fail yeah. to collect. There, it definitely seemed like they were paced in that way where they, they, there were certain energy tanks that they absolutely wanted you to get. And in one case, and in, especially with the Nightmare boss, like, like the, there isn't a real chance that you could be fighting that boss in the exact right way. You just don't have enough energy tanks to beat mm-hmm. it. Um, yes. yeah. And so, like, unless you were intentionally not going in all the doors you went by, like you, you come across six or seven of those without much of a thought. Um, I remember I did find one that was kind of, um, uh, once I hit my super bomb strategy, like there'd be one where I was in, I was in like a, like a data room, like down there. And I, I just use a super bomb. I'm like, Oh, what do you know? One section of the floor was over here and kind of, it was not indicated at all. It was an off map area. Didn't have the dot end up finding one of those, but uh, more than more often than not, it was I was finding the breadcrumb ones, not the off the beaten path ones. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of of the original Metroid, where the energy tank gives you a full replenishment of health. So you're kind of um, yeah. using that as a kind of map marker to go to, just to give yourself a bit of a health boost. In the case of as we we're talking about previously, those um, blue uh, Metroids that uh, just suck all your energy up without really too much kind of problem mm. um there's also those little alien um false e-tanks that grow bats wings and kind of move oh, yeah, around yeah. as well which I, I thought was quite funny there's usually yes. a, an e-tank in the next yeah it's a decoy normally yeah 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 uh well, well that neatly brings us on to, you mentioned the nightmare boss there so the game has three six nine twelve thirteen bosses something like that and i would say that the first half of those are pretty fine pretty doable pretty manageable didn't have too many problems but the second half of the game and then they get miserable i would agree yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, now it is possible to do that nightmare boss without taking damage i've watched somebody do it but 
realistically uh, not so much and yeah i had an entire evening basically trying to get past that boss yeah and yeah it's i think personally the the issue here is with a lot of these bosses that they the designers unusually for nintendo r&d one haven't really factored in this little screen so you've got these massive screen filling bosses but there's no way of getting all the way around them without taking damage and you can't really see your environment too well because obviously everything's so resolution low res is quite zoomed in the the much more successful bosses in this game for me are like the sax was not a problem yeah. because i could see it i could see it moving i yeah. could get i could work out its pattern i could dodge around it on this little screen that's Ceres X boss fight, which is the, you know, the water dragon that you get the speed booster from. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. I, like, it's just so quick and there's so little screen room. Yeah. That, no warning. Yeah. It's difficult to, to really do that without getting hit. So the amount of times I'd actually finish the boss and end up having to basically frantically farm a little bit of health from the, uh, from the, the, I don't know, the big spiky uh, ball yeah, yeah. that yeah. thing just to try and yeah. survive at the end yeah. it's just no joke but um, yeah for me the the difficult one was always um the uh security robot that was the one i was gonna mention yeah. just oh, okay. like huh. the, yeah like you have to be above it and of course it yes. fires directly above it so you can yes. use the diagonal attack yep but like you're all fingers and thumbs. Like this game is is really <laughs> difficult to, to sort of like pass unless you like getting that muscle memory yeah. in when the game's only four hours long is really difficult. Yeah, I find. so it's just a bit a bit of a clumsy boss. That that Comple- robot completely one. Agree. Yes, oh, that and then it, it's not it's not bad enough that it shoots right above you and it hurts you. You know what when you touch it. But if you happen to just accidentally fall off the top mm. because you you're all thumbs, like you say, the floor's electrified too. <laughs> just you know, just yeah. for funsies. I that boss, who I I think I I probably spent as much time on that security robot as I did on on the nightmare boss. They were both just uh, okay. They just they just wrecked me. It's all sorts of those, and I mean, like the, the the game does a thing where you know you need to hang on the ceiling, so you have to hit up as you're jumping. But then there's things like. If you accidentally hit down when you're jumping on an upwards trajectory, it will just stop you in midair yep. and then try and put you back down at the floor. So it's like the amount of button combinations that you've got to be able to put in on a tiny handheld. And mm. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult. And I was playing with an Xbox 360 pad, so the um, the you know the analog stick just wasn't it just wasn't really good enough to play. Yeah, the that's game. not ideal. I was playing with a pro con- uh, what the whatever the old Wii U pro controller thing was mm-hmm. called. no not the pro controller the one that you whacked in your in your Wii mote um, which is you know it's got a nice D-pad and the shoulder buttons feel quite Oh is that the classic controller right and that was called Yeah classic. it's the, oh, yeah. but it but it's the it's the classic controller pro with the little prongs so not just the little kidney one it's right, the second yeah. one they released yeah. um and for for the most of the game that was that was great and fine it's a, it's a decent piece of kit but um, yeah, I just feel like the particularly the nightmare boss, which is obviously my nemesis, hmm. uh, has way too much health, takes way too many hits. That hitbox is feels, no good as well. Hitbox yeah. is horrible. Yep. Fills way too much of the screen. Even if it just like lifted its big old droopy arms up, so you could get under it sometimes, yeah. that would have been. And it's it's the thing, and this is one of my least favorite things about most of the Metroid games is the way you get bounced about when you're taking damage is just feels awful to me 
the little uh and the the flash yeah. of like yeah. the iframes which last about what half a second if that and so you can very easily get bounced between damage 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 um and i just always have found it deeply unsatisfying um like i'm not saying there aren't some some fun bosses in in the 2d metroid games but they are my least favorite aspect of, of the metroid experience and these for me were some of the most frustrating metroid bosses i've come yeah across. I, I i would agree with that um what what was the yakuza boss um i don't remember yeah, i was that wondering one. that is that the, spider, the plant the, it was the spider oh okay Sp- spider the mechanical gangster. spider yeah and it I, mean, was I don't. Nasty I don't. Too. I was not a fan of that guy. Yeah, yeah sure. It scoops you up and slams you down for like ten oh, balls yeah, of damage. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's too much of that. Like again, on a really small screen with little little room for maneuver, the amount of times that it kind of enemies will yeah like grab you and um yeah put you into a inevitable hold that takes several seconds <laughs> to get out of, and you can't do anything about it. You can't. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least Ridley lets lets you continue to missile it in the well chin. I was gonna I was gonna come in and say that I think the Ridley fight is pretty good, and and that's primarily because it's just a great big dirty lift and shift of the Ridley fight out of Super Metroid. It's pretty yeah. much no different. Uh, and so. you just pump the missile button. I yeah. mean, again, I guess you could get to that point of the game. And in fact, I got to I I did the first time I c- killed Ridley, I didn't have any missiles left for the blob. That was me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so that can happen but so what i found out afterwards and i looked it up because i didn't know what the hell i did wrong i uh you can also kill ridley with the charge beam so you don't need to damage ridley with missiles uh, which i didn't okay. realize because i was just spamming the missile button just right into it's his much face. faster though right yeah to yeah. missile yeah. yeah yeah so if you don't if you only use charge beam you're gonna unless you've got like full energy tanks yeah um, so I think I got to like ten missiles left, and Ridley was pretty like I could tell it was pretty close to the end. I'm like, I'm going to save these. I'm not going to use them and right. do the charge beam instead. So was was Nightmare your least favorite, Leah, or was it one of the others? The Nightmare boss and the Yakuza boss, both of them were right. were pretty rough for me. Um, but you, but I did you not love have, Yakuza. I do love Yakuza. <laughs> I know. So irony this is no there. Um, yeah, this, but I hate spiders. So uh, you can imagine <laughs> my confusion here. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, they just do so much damage, and you have to hit very specific spots with very little time to be able to aim at said spots. Yeah. So, yeah, I. I. I mean. I got through them eventually, obviously, but I th- those two in particular stood out for me as being borderline unfair, and yeah. and I I understand that there are people who can do those and never take a hit, but I'm sure. not that person. So no, same, yeah. Um, especially so given so the general difficulty of the rest of the game was yeah. kind of lower. Those spikes were not something that I found a whole right. lot of yeah. pleasure in. Same. One thing I probably just want to pick up on actually is the way that they've integrated the use of missiles on the right shoulder button, which is obviously something that's new to Fusion. Mm. Um, previously, you'd have to hit the select button, which was never a natural way of doing it, but there it is. Um, and because of that, you know, you'll you'll be jumping around trying to space jump and hold the right trigger and then hold the left trigger to somehow be able to sort of aim up or down at a diagonal yeah. there's just yeah. way yep. too much going on at the same time yeah a bit Tony Hawk's yeah. which is my shorthand for getting my fingers tied up in knots also <laughs> further to this if you're playing on the Wii U 
version on Virtual Console, if you accidentally tap the lower right shoulder button, which will happen unless you're, you yep. know, you're in, in, incredibly good motor control, you will bring up the Wii U <laughs> Virtual Console menu, uh, <laughs> and that gets absolutely infuriating. Yeah, the, bu- um, the button combination that I had set to uh, my quick save and click load, I did mess that up a few times and load oh, when I had meant yeah. to save. Uh, but that was my Love fault, that. not the game. So. You were, yeah, but yeah. yes. Um, or save when you went to load, which yep. is my oh. usual tactic. Yep. Yeah. Nah, that is uh, that is quite something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I see it as kind of, you know, karma for cheating, but also, <laughs> also hell to that. Yeah. Um, can we chat about the Omega Metroid, which is the, the yeah, very final I, boss? Well, the next thing I was going to say, post-Nightmare, I didn't, you know, Ridley, yes, okay, it's a bit messy and you'll probably take some damage, but actually the last three bosses I didn't have too much trouble with, but maybe it was all relative to Nightmare. Was I, is that an outlier? Uh, I, no, I agree. I, I felt, yeah, I thought the SAX fight was actually, I don't want to call it underwhelming. You get, I mean, she's moving pretty fast and she can get you and then yeah. obviously transform, but for kind of that build up and what you had yes. already encountered i was like like oh no here we go yeah. and then and then it was yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. A, a fair oh not fair i was quite either, but pleased you know I mean? yeah. but but also surprised yes well when it transforms it has an attack which is a arc jump so you basically just left and right and shoot yeah. it in the face um but yeah the omega metroid battle is is obviously a bit of a, a kind of homage to the uh mother brain battle you know you go in yeah. there you get quickly slapped over to one side of the room yep. all of your hit points get depleted and then the sax comes in there uh, as an organism that's kind of developed to i guess combat metroids which are the the natural predators of them and then you get mm. your suit back and then you're empowered and you stomp it down to the ground and then job's good and that's the end of the game it's 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 that cinematic kind of ending that you, yeah you get out of um metroids that come after that it, it was a pretty cool moment at what you beat SAX, who's been, you know, the the primary antagonist of the game. And then you just got to get back down to your ship and it has a countdown like, here we go. We're going to get it. And then you just pull up and your ship is just gone. Like, that's that's yeah, a cool yeah, yeah. moment. Like, I Aliens. really did. I didn't remember that for my first time playing. And I really was like, oh, I did it. Game's over. You know, I got there. I'm like, oh, son of, you know, it had, yeah, that was a yeah, nice yeah. pull the rug out type of moment there. Yeah. I was going to say, talking about the kind of the cinematic style and the traditional Metroid countdown section was that is that countdown in any way rigged because it felt to me like it was all done for uh uh drama rather than mm. I, I don't know maybe, maybe it's just the way it worked out but i got there with like a certain amount of time and then the next thing i noticed like the ships uh, just as the ship appears it's on like the countdown's on like six seconds or something oh no i ran out of time my first time it's, okay it's good to know. completely possible to run right. out of time because i wasn't taking the i wasn't taking it was my own fault i was not taking that timer very seriously because i thought <laughs> that it was just a you gotta get there uh, and i'm like okay right. cool well i'll just mosey my way and then i got to the boss i'm like ah oh, damn it <laughs> Yeah, if ever there was somebody who was going to run out of time, it's you, the most defensive player in the, the Listen, planet. it's I, it's a fault I have in that time. You play with caution. Do not agree with me. The month from the forum says, "I hate how easy it is to miss the weak point on the final boss before you get power, die, and have to go back to before killing the SAX, which is what I did." Okay, so yeah, if you're playing legit. Without save states, I, I didn't actually need any save states at this point. I should say so. Yeah. It is it is possible, but if you're playing with save rooms, 
and you do die on the final boss, you have to do both things again. Well, I didn't know I was going to need the save state. Um, no. So that that actually did when on that time when yeah. I did um, when I did die to the final boss, I did have to do the SAX fight again because ah. I by the time I realized that there was a boss there, saving there just would have screwed me over because I would have mm. just had to keep trying to do that fight with not enough time. So yeah. In the ending, Samus asks herself how her ship could have gotten her off the planet when it could only be operated manually. The ship's CPU then responds and says, they lent me a hand. The game then shows a picture of the Etacoons, the little gremlins that teach you how to wall jump in Super Metroid, and the Dakola, the ostrich-looking creature that teaches you how to super jump. Uh, they are there, as we mentioned, um, flying the ship, I guess. Um <laughs> For whatever reason, yeah, we, we decided they were cute and they could live. The howlongtobeat.com has the game and main story of five hours, which tracks with what we've said. Completionist eight and a half hours. Sounds about right. That's uh, percentage wise. That's a substantial increase. One thing I did notice, uh, I reloaded my last save after completing the game and most of the areas are locked off. So you you can't go back and hoover up power-ups beyond... I'm not sure exactly what the cutoff point is, but um, it's it doesn't really tell you. So. It's probably the, the scene where the SA... So you meet the Metroids for the first time in the space station. Yeah. Like a chunk of it blasts off into space. Oh, yeah, good point. That is a very good point. Yeah. But if you didn't know that was coming... Um, there's a, yeah, so you want to save before that happens because then you can, yeah, if you want to go and, uh, basically farm or level up for the final boss fights, um, I would recommend doing it if you are listening to this and thinking of playing this game, I would recommend doing it after you fought the, or maybe before you fought the room, the plant boss. So after the robot spider, maybe. Maybe that's your point. I don't know. I'm not sure how much of the map is. Depends on your abilities, doesn't it? How much of yeah. the map you can see. Um, but I would say do a full sweep at about two thirds of the game. And then, because yeah. I think maybe if I'd done Nightmare without only having eight or nine E tanks, it might have been slightly less miserable. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you don't know, do you? You don't know until you do it, which is, I, I guess, what the replay factor is all about and why the end screen in these things tells you what percentage of items you've got and so on. Uh, it actually tells you, in fact, on your status screen, number of number of items, doesn't it? So it says, like, you have got this many of this many missile tanks. Listen, I didn't get the incentive of a bikini Samus, so yeah. I'm <laughs> not sure why I would need to get 100% in this It's a solid game. point, Leah. It's a solid yeah. point. No... TNA, no 100%. You gotta draw it's, line that's, our, that, that's Leah's motto. <laughs> that way for forever. I, I always say that. <laughs> you can beat this game according to speedrun.com with an any percent of uh, uh, 44 minutes of in game time, 1 minute wow. 11 total. Uh, it's, it's not a. It's a the, yeah, the, I mean, naturally there's glitches in there, but like it sort of shaves yeah. off like a great so you know the part where you've got to go back to your ship 
Um, yeah. There's a glitch mm-hmm. that happens at that point where you can store stuff in the memory banks uh, of, of the RAM, sorry, and it'll uh, just load in the end of the game there, which is why. So you're basically <laughs> cutting the game in half. Classic. Uh, and the... In fact, it looks like the same player has the any percent and the hundred percent world record currently. Uh, a USA player called C Scotty W, um, with uh, with a time on the hundred percent of one hour thirty five minutes and fifty four seconds. A year ago, on the Japanese version, I wonder if they I wonder if they play it on the easier mode or something, or oh, maybe it's a text speed issue. I think it's a text speed thing. They, yeah, this. Mm. I keep going back to this one speed run, the zero percent one that I watched. But apparently, mm. that particular um, method or glitch or whatever it is is not possible on the Japanese version. So, like, you can't right. do a zero percent run on the Japanese version because ah. it was fixed. But mm. oh, of course, because it came out after, is, right? Yeah. Overall, yeah. I think it is faster because of the text. That's interesting because no- normally, so often with Japanese games, the Japanese version, of course, is released first, and then that's the version with all the glitches and whatever in but in this case for whatever reason they released the japanese version a few months after the rest of the world so that's the one that's kind of fixed hmm. wuking long from our forum says it is said that the first title you play in a series often ends up your favorite and it was certainly true for metroid fusion with me growing up with handheld consoles for the majority of childhood this was my first exposure to the metroid franchise outside of Samus' appearance in Super Smash Bros. I had no preconceived notions about what a Metroid game, quotes, should be, and as a result, I feel I was able to experience fusion without any preconceptions, adding or detracting from my enjoyment of it. I often heard it lambasted in online forums for the linearity of its level design compared with the likes of Super Metroid. Curiously, I now see it being praised without this criticism more often nowadays, My take was always that it led to a more consistent, tighter experience for most players. With all the beautiful pixel art, cool power-ups and varied bosses, the fact that I wasn't wandering around as lost as I might have been in the game's predecessors never even crossed my mind. SAX was also genuinely terrifying to my young self and very effective at conveying how desperate Samus' situation truly was. This one will likely remain my favourite of the series in perpetuity. It is interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, the the don't change the thing I love mentality versus the now I can enjoy the thing you love mentality of players <laughs> that might have not got on with it. Um, it is a pretty good onboarding for this style of game. You know, it yeah. is nice to have that. Um, I hadn't really considered that aspect of it until this uh, forum piece was read. But uh, yeah, that that's an interesting perspective. I, I think that probably the reason I got on with it as well as I did at that time, because I was never much a huge fan of the metroid games until metroid prime and um mm. and the and the 2d metroids I, I didn't own super metroid when i was a kid i had a super nintendo didn't have it um mm. so the only my only experience with metroid before prime was the original which felt like you know like yeah you know trying to you know teach myself latin you know you know at age four <laughs> yeah. it's, it was tough so so yeah that that probably but then it but it also colors my experience historically too now because now as someone who's played a lot of these games this does some things that i think that maybe i don't like as much anymore so yeah i mean I sort of touching on a bit earlier though like it just sort of pays to remember that while critically and um in terms of nostalgia super metroid is is kind of way up there for a lot of people myself included is one of the greatest games of all time commercially when compared to some of its peers didn't really do that well 
So like mm-hmm. a lot of these quality of life things have to be about engaging players, engaging a new audience who maybe bounced off it and like really listening to some of the feedback that they got. So I'm genuinely not surprised that there's this kind of disconnect between um, people who love Metroid Fusion and maybe don't love Super Metroid and vice versa. Mm. And yeah, it's interesting. Again, I know I, I, I take the, the hardware, relative hardware sales into account, but 20 years later, almost the sequel to the direct sequel to this game came out and sold what four times as many copies yeah. five times as many copies yeah. mm-hmm. hmm. uh, fusion fusion as per the prime show just for the sake of completeness after finishing metroid fusion on the gba and linking up to a gamecube a new suit will be available and it will be possible to play the original metroid on the gamecube there is also a bonus to be had by linking to metroid zero mission according to wikitroid I'm not sure how this works. I guess it's via the Game Boy Player for the GBA. That's or two GBAs. I'm not sure. Anyway, the entire Fusion Gallery of post-ending pictures is then unlocked in Zero Mission, including the extra-ending images from the Japanese version of Fusion, which chronicles Samus's early years, as well as some additional concept art, possibly with bikinis. I don't know, Leah. Um, mm, I'll have to think about that. There's probably a video. <laughs> I'll do some research. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> After their pitch for an original Metroid game on the Wii U was rejected, Mercury Steam pitched a remake of Metroid Fusion to Nintendo. Yoshio Sakamoto was impressed by their pitch, and while he didn't want them to remake Fusion, he partnered with them to develop Metroid Samus Returns, a remake of Metroid 2 Return of Samus for the 3DS. And of course from there, they got to make Dread. The secret ending of that game features the ex-parasite infecting a hornode leading into fusion it all ties together um be interesting if they now remade fusion but in the dread engine for the switch Hmm. finally from our forum in this show we have psycho hype who says i finally played metroid fusion about a year ago by way of the wii u virtual console and i was impressed i was already aware of the mixed feelings this game has generated among metroid fans So I knew going in that it was going to be a bit more of a guided experience than other Metroids. And I have to say, the linearity didn't bother me in the slightest, largely because it all made sense in the context of the story. Speaking of which, let me also say, wow, the story is actually pretty good. Similar to Super Metroid before it, the in-game title screen for Metroid Fusion refers to itself as Metroid 4, and the game really does take some major steps in advancing the saga of the Metroids. The X-Parasite was a clever concept from a sci-fi perspective and the developers did a superb job of steadily raising the stakes, first by describing the potential threat of the strange invisible organism and then eventually by showing the devastating effects of it. All in all, this was a fun and tense adventure with some beautiful pixel art environments. I haven't had so much fun traipsing back and forth through a space station being overtaken by a mysteriously galaxy-threatening entity since System Shock. It's quite a different tone to System Shock, I would say. uh, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Right, three-word reviews. Uh, You can still follow us for now, at least, on social media, at Kane and Rinse. (laughs) Jason D. Smith 1 says, good, too easy. Blue Weasel Breath says, hand-holdy, but fun. Josh 1 on 1 says, S-A-X, where, where? Buscalilli says, tense, tight tunnels. Mm, filth. And Chris Galetti says, on Switch when? Well, who knows? Yeah. 
Um, surely, uh, again, this isn't the Dread show, but surely Dread has done well enough for there to be more. God, I'd Nintendo like drip so. feeds these things. Yeah, yeah. nice if they did the uh, uh, like a collection, like they yes. did with the Castlevania GBA. Game. Hell yes. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Prime Four is coming out, so we'll see how. There's okay. that. Much, <laughs> they uh, might do a they might do a two D link up game again. Ooh. Yeah, and on also Ooh. like just the general call out: get Prime on Switch, please. <laughs> just get get the trilogy. <laughs> yeah, every every Metroid show. Right. Uh, well, let us summarize our Metroid Fusion feelings. This is our what fifth Metroid show with. Yeah, I guess we're coming up for halfway through our run of these because there ain't that many Metroid games compared to other things. Probably not going to do a separate show just on uh, what, what's that one that we're well Hunters. Nah, probably not. Uh, Federation Force. Federation Force. <laughs> which which Darren, to be fair, our Darren was telling me the other day is is. Good fun, um, but uh, yeah, Samus I don't... is even in that though, is she? <laughs> mm. We'll see. Anyway, uh, but yes, for now, until next year, shows yet to be announced. Uh, let us summarize. Um, I'm going to say, Leah, you can go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I overall did like uh, this game, but I I don't think. That I, I mean, of the Metroid games that we have covered so far, Prime notwithstanding, because I wasn't on that show, and also because I think it kind of is a different angle, um, I, I think this is probably my least favorite of the ones that I have covered mm. so far. Right. Um, I, and that's not to say that I don't like it, because I, I do overall... But there are some things about it that I really didn't like. I mentioned the uh, that that some of the save points I felt were a little were placed a little inconveniently for sections of the game that most well I I, I say most people that I definitely and potentially <laughs> other people would need to yeah. do quite a few times before getting them right or at mm. least more than once. I think it's I think it's probably not uh not unfair to think that a mm. lot of those boss fights are not going to be done on the first try most of the yeah. time. Um but other than that, like up until some of some of those sections, I like the traversal, I liked the the kind of um segmented off structure i i didn't even mind really i i'm i'm not somebody who dislikes hand holding in games I, I, mm. I, I it can get to be too much but i don't for for my money this one wasn't there's something to be said for a game like um like super metroid that just kind of lets you go but also with this kind of game i i'm fine with them saying hey you can go you need to go over here and just have you know a glowing point on the map that's like you need to get here because i mean they are closing off some segments but there's still plenty of room for exploration you can still yeah. run around the sections and pick up all of those things that that we talked about all the missile tanks there's a ton of them uh so there's plenty of things to look for there's plenty of things to occupy your time if you don't want to head straight to the place where you're supposed to be but pointing it out i think is is an accessibility thing that maybe people would some people not all people of course will enjoy so i uh i i think that it's if, if you have 
a way to play this maybe that not is not necessarily on original hardware um however mm -hmm. that may be some place that you maybe can put some save states into uh like the wii u virtual console like mm -hmm. wii u virtual console um, or or, you know, whatever. Somewhere else. Shrug. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, listen, all I'm saying is that if you go to mm. Etsy, there are places that will make you repro cartridges of some games that are very, very expensive otherwise. That's all. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there are plenty of ways to play this if you are so inclined, all the way from having an original cartridge to the Wii Virtual Console and whatever in between. So I, I would recommend if you do that, maybe you might find that, like I did, that a, a save state is a good thing to have. Um, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. I overall think that it is worth playing, especially if you enjoy the other Metroid games and are interested in seeing kind of where the story goes in this installment. Because uh, there's a lot there to, uh, to, to be kind of interested in. Yeah, I broadly agree with Leah's uh, assessment. The bosses in the second half of the game really damaged my overall opinion on Metroid Fusion because I just don't think they were thoughtfully designed for the hardware. And, uh, and, and just, yeah, I, as I say, I understand that there are, it is possible to, to, absolutely ace master the technique of these and do them without taking damage but um realistically that would take uh you know skills and and practice beyond what most of us would be willing to put into what is supposed to be like a five hour handheld metroid and it feels like a shame to me when the the rest of the game the the usual sense of progression exploration and stuff is is so tight and nicely designed that it feels like the bosses were i don't know um subcontracted out or something at points um compared to the yeah the kind of the thoughtfulness and the the intelligence of the level design of the rest of the game um i think fusion does lose a bit of the classic special metroid atmosphere the all the words that we keep using in these shows loneliness and isolation and and being stranded and that kind of thing but that's probably a deliberate choice in some ways it is a, it is perhaps a more accessible Metroid than some of its uh, four bears, four runners, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. I, I would say it is, apart from some of those boss moments, a good starting point uh, to kind of learn the ropes of two D Metroidvanias, and obviously that is now a very very uh, well serviced arena of gaming. Um, and certainly, if you are interested in Dread. Uh, you could play this one right before it and it will give you a kind of history lesson both in terms of games design and the kind of what's going on in dread um so yeah overall recommended um yeah hard to buy it on original hardware or expensive at least um there are other ways and for now you can still play it on wii u virtual console which will seem odd to some a handheld game you can play it on the the chunky old wii u gamepad if you want which is perhaps a better fit in some ways um, but yes, another one from the series that's yeah pretty high quality overall with a few, for me, quite unpleasant missteps. Rich? Yeah, playing through Metroid Fusion. Probably, a, it's, it's a game that I play quite often. 
or given that I'd rather play Super Metroid, but that actually speaks to the amount of time that I spend playing Super Metroid. Really, like I was playing through it today, and I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. This is a really polished game. It's a very attractive game as well, and it's very engaging. Some of the quality of life improvements that they've put in, in, into to Fusion, I can see why those adjustments have been made to try and drag people into the game and give people a flavor of what they might have missed out on on Super Metroid. Um, but in reality, I just prefer Super Metroid. And the the way that I would describe it is like this. It's not a slight on an aggregated 91.25% game, but Super Metroid is a 96% aggregated game, and it's just slightly better uh, for my tastes. I enjoy that they exist in coordination with one another, and they're actually very like very separate in the way that they play out and you're going to have a very different experience uh, playing one against the other I, th- I think for me though the, the the real kicker is that the the story in super metroid is the culmination of of three games that have been very like meaningful to me um and the the kind of way that it culminates is just a little bit more satisfying than it is in metroid fusion i spoke throughout the recording about how i think somehow it feels a little bit disjointed from um, the rest of the continuity of the the game, but I think they did a, an excellent job of pulling players back in and pulling the narrative against something that was uh, like universally regarded as one of the greatest games of all time. I, I, I don't see a reason why you shouldn't play Metroid Fusion. It's, it's an excellent game. And if you have any appetite to, to play, uh, in particular, Metroid, uh, Super Metroid and Metroid 2, um, then I would strongly recommend that you do so. It's, it's a great, great gateway into those games as well. Cheers, Rich. Let's finish up with the always effusive Brian. He's going to really hate it now, isn't he? <laughs> um, no no yeah, pressure, by the way. Terrible. I'm not, I'm not, saying, you have, I'm not saying you have to be happy and nice about it. I'm just, you know. All game developers are lazy and they don't take my comments <laughs> seriously. I know that's how you think. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I loved Metroid Fusion when I played it uh, originally. Like I said, it was the reason I kind of got a Game Boy Advance to begin with. And uh, historically, now looking back on it, I, I don't think of it as highly as I once did, but I'm certainly glad I played it because it was really my onboarding to go back and play a lot of those older games. Like now, I hear Rich talking about Super Metroid with all of that praise, and I, I feel the exact same way now. I just kind of came to it in a backwards way, and my gateway into that was Fusion. And I think it serves that purpose still, like, um, especially, like, I was thinking about Metroid Fusion um well, with my son, who who's five years old, he he doesn't have the uh, the control, the motor capacity to do it yet. But um, as as far as like getting him into games as he gets more interested in them, like what would be a good kind of way to learn this style of game? And Fusion is kind of up there, you know. It really lets you know what they expect of you, where you're supposed to go, and it's a good onboarding. The bosses. Yeah, let me know are... how he does with Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, the bosses are like kind of the antithesis of that, right? And and maybe it's just because they don't come up with an afterwards, you know, alien defeated across the screen like it's a from software game or something. They don't feel that satisfying uh, to yeah. to beat or bash your head against. And I think the controls are definitely a big part of that. It feels in a lot of those fights you don't have maybe the agency that you would like to avoid some of the attacks. But in general, I think it's a really good and competent one of these games and the thing i love most about it now in 2022 is that it led to metroid dread and metroid dread is a game that i adore that mm. takes a ton of the th- concepts and framework that fusion laid out and kind of evolved on them in meaningful and significant ways so yeah i think it's a great game to go back to um and it's also if you haven't um if you haven't really 
gone through these games yet or, or played a lot of Metroid games, I think this could easily be your first Metroid game unless you're being very precious about the story, which I made it clear earlier that I am not. But if you are, that's cool. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a really good one of those that, that kind of does a little bit more than other entries do in pointing you in the right direction. My first Metroid, but not in a Fisher-Price patrol right, kind yeah. of way. <laughs> a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, yeah, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah, Rich, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and, of course, you for listening. There'll be more Metroid in the podcast next year, all being well. But next time, in issue 545, we head off to the multiplayer virtual theme park that is Nintendo Land, because it's 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs>